Hello and welcome to the first Stack Magazines podcast of 2020. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I've been speaking with David Reeve and Luciani Pisani, the editors and art director of Where the Leaves Fall, a magazine that focuses on our contemporary relationship with nature. It's the sort of subject that can easily feel overwhelming, but as you'll hear, they're on a mission to tell stories about sustainability and the natural world that feel human and which ultimately inspire readers to take positive action. They're also keen that the magazine should help give a platform to voices that aren't normally heard, and so they search far and wide, looking particularly to the global south, for local stories about these global environmental issues. We've taken our time getting back into the podcast after the Christmas break, so it's more than a month now since we released a new episode, but we've got some great magazines lined up for the coming weeks covering all sorts of different subjects and all featuring independent magazine makers figuring out the many challenges of turning their ideas into ink on paper. If you're not already following us, I hope you will do so we can deliver those episodes to you as soon as they're ready. Just search for Stack Magazines wherever you get your podcasts and follow us there. And in the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with David and Luciani from Where the Leaves Fall. Uh, David, Luciani, thank you very much for coming over to speak. Thanks for inviting us. Uh, So you are the people behind Where the Leaves Fall, uh, which is a magazine that explores humankind's interaction with nature. Who wants to tell me a little bit about what that means and where it came from? Um, well, I think that there's probably quite a lot to say there. It's, it's, a, it's a big question. <laughs> We've got plenty of time. Okay. Um, so the magazine actually was kind of born out of another magazine that we were producing or still are producing, which is this one called mm-hmm. Village Raw. So this is a, a local culture magazine that we launched in June 2018. Mm-hmm. And when we started Village Raw, it's it's covering certain areas in North London. Um, One thing we wanted to explore with that was sustainability and sustainability initiatives going on in the area. And so we started off with uh, sort of zero plastic and um, uh, no plastic straws, um, which was in the first issue. And we found that there was quite a good response to that. And it was always our aim to kind of infuse the whole magazine with this kind of thinking, whether it's a piece about an artist or or anything in a way. Um, So in time, we we reached out, we met other organisations in the area. And one of those organisations was Omved Gardens, which is a space in North London, um, which is, it's kind of, they're about... Yeah, it's a, it's a space between people and nature. It's a curated garden, mm-hmm. so they talk about ecology. They are really focused. Uh, it's a food hub, mm-hmm. um, so they are focused mainly in food. Uh, they are um, partners of the World Food Programme, mm-hmm. uh, so they have events about the Chef's Manifesto in, in the, the garden. Uh, so that's when we met them that we thought about doing something more international. So they're a local business. So what was it that made you want to go international as a result of that? Um, well, I, th- I think it was looking at their their own outreach. Um, I mean, basically, 
it's a space that invites people, um, storytellers, uh, chefs from globally into this one space to talk about kind of global issues around mm -hmm. uh, sustainability, ecology, mm -hmm. uh, food. And um, when we ran them, it was like a picture feature we ran on them. Um, we were trying to just get to the bottom of what it was that they were really about. And I think they were still finding their feet. But as we've got to know them through the magazine and through some of the other articles that we've done with them, um, we sort of found that we were kind of on the same path. And one thing that they said was that they have so many things going on there, conversations happening there, and that they wanted to find a space to, for those conversations to continue beyond that event, beyond that day. Um, so that was kind of one reason why we had a conversation with them about doing a magazine. I see. So it's kind of the, the ambition of the place that, that sort of inspired you. That They're clearly very important to you because at the front of the mag, uh, it says that you're published in conversation with Omved Gardens. So they were yeah. clearly right there at the, at the start. Uh, do they have uh, anything financial in the magazine? Do they help you to publish? Um, I mean, that, it's, it's a big conversation we have with them. So that conversation is uh, we meet up with them editorially. Mm -hmm. Um, we meet up with them with just brainstorming sessions. Uh, there's various things that we're discussing, kind of getting involved with doing with them uh, in the coming months and year, mm -hmm. um, like a photo exhibition that we're, we're, we've been kind of co-sourcing, co <laughs> sourcing the images. Um, and... In terms of like the other nuts and bolts arrangements, yeah, they've they've helped um, with helping us get some loans mm -hmm. to put the first couple of issues of the magazine together. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's very enmeshed yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we wanted to create this platform for people to publish their work, for the creative community to publish their work. But I think we also think it's really important. I think I don't come from the north. That the, uh, I come from the south of the globe, the southern so hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, the southern hemisphere. So I think it's really important to hear their voices. So it's people who are being underrepresented, it's minorities, it's people um, suffering poverty and austerity. So we have in uh, from the first magazine we have the Uruwewawa, for example. It's a uh, Amazon indigenous uh, from the Amazon. So they've been fighting for generations. Uh, and they are under threat. So we, we have to hear these voices. We have to hear voices from um, Mashudu in the, the second magazine. She's from, she works with um, um, Earth, Law. Earth Law Foundation. Uh, so they work with uh, small farming communities. So they talk about the need of reviving the traditional uh, farming methods. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to hear these people who are being underrepresented. So this was really uh, fundamentally important for the magazine, for the message to come across. And there's a big focus on the arts as well as, as a way of communicating that. So the, this is a magazine that has, I guess, ecology at the heart of it. But the w different ways that you go about exploring that allow mm -hmm. you quite a lot of breadth for beautiful art and photography and, mm -hmm. and, and creative projects. Yeah, 
I was doing some research uh, a week or two ago about this, and there was actually, I've got it noted here, the name, because I will forget, hmm. the University of Berkeley's Greater Good Science Centre. Mm -hmm. So they conducted a, a study, and it was quite um, a big study. They basically looked at millions of um, books, films, and songs in the English language that had been created from the early 20th century to the early 21st century. And they looked at specifically, I think it's 186 nature words mm. that um, might appear in songs like seasonal names mm. like autumn mm. or winter. And they found that there was a huge decrease from uh, ac across the decades, across all of those uh, art forms. Like, for example, in the 1950s, a pop song on average would have three mentions of nature. Mm whereas in the early 2000s, it's only slightly more than one. Um, so they started to ask why this uh, decrease had happened. And, you know, partly it's, it's the increase in urbanisation, people moving away from rural areas, from traditional farming practices, that kind of thing. But there's also, you know, our, uh, our move into technology, um, computer games, computers in general, um, and now the internet and the smartphones that we stare at. Uh, but it's, it demonstrates quite clearly how um, popular culture, music, film, uh, the books we read, how they influence us. Mm. So it's quite key um, that the arts gets back in, on board with, with this message of our connection with nature. And it kind of is. Um, it just it needs to do it on a, a larger scale. And I guess not doing it in a way which makes it seem other, because the, the whole point is that you want this to feel like it's something that's involved with, with people's lives. Yeah. So that the way that you do that in this second issue, um, the, maybe it's not right to say that it's themed death journey seeds, because that almost feels too broad for themes, but they feel more like kind of strands that, that run through the magazine. Could, can you maybe tell us a bit about these strands that run through the issue? Um, yeah, it's divided by three th themes, each magazine. Mm. Um, the first one is soil, boundaries, and... And a closed loop food system. Closed food system. And the second one is death, uh, sure, journey, and seeds. Um, so, they're, they're, I mean, they're, if anything, they're broad ideas, broad brushstrokes for us to explore um, different things, different different ways of um, looking at things, um, taking someone's idea about seeds from uh, here or taking it from Africa, mm -hmm. um, just different types of people. It's, you know, it's, it's part of a continuing conversation. So some of these ideas come out of events or themes that OMVED might be exploring, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, like they did a whole uh, season on soil. Mm -hmm. um, so that was born slightly out of that. But it's also about continuing that conversation. So in maybe one, two or three issues time, we might come back to soil. Um, we might explore with the same writers, with different writers, with different angles, mm. just to continue that conversation. So mm. the the cover strapline of Death Journey Seeds, yeah, very broad brushstrokes yeah. of, uh, like, for example, when we explore death in this first issue, it's quite a lot about 
our own relationship with ourselves as a part of nature and our own relationship with death. It could have been about anything to do with death, but we decided to settle on that. Mm, mm. Yeah, we, we featured Anna Mendieta, for example, the Cuban-born artist. So she um, was part of the movement of land art movement, but she, uh, the way she interacts with... Uh, she talks about the cycle of life and death, but the way she interacts with nature was in a way that she didn't brutalize it. Mm -hmm. So it's a very respectful way of interacting with nature. And then thinking of some of the other stories, so in, in your journeys section, you have the piece on ayahuasca, mm -hmm. uh, and that felt to me like you were being very careful to try to give a very balanced approach to that, because the I guess there's one story there which is, it's amazing, it's like opening people's eyes to this whole new world, and there's another story which is, tourism has sprung up and is ruining this ceremony that has been sacred for so long, but it, it felt like you deliberately took a route that kind of went down the middle with that? Is, is that important to the way that you approach your stories? I think um, we always want a feature to allow a moment of self-reflection in, in a way mm. for people to read a piece and then come to their own conclusions or open up a, a conversation with themselves in some way. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, we always want to ask a question with a, with a feature where we can. Yeah, I think we think as well to understand the climate crisis, we need to have human-centric stories. So that's why we always have this uh, this human. The main thing is to listen to stories. Uh, and that human is important because it keeps the story anchored and, and stops it from feeling too impossibly big to do anything about? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's... Um, um, I don't know if people are tired of just listening to stories of climate uh, crisis, uh, like uh, the ice is melting. I don't know if people feel connected to that anymore. So that's why we think we have to to put the human uh, stories in there. Mm. Then I think people will actually take action um, and do something about that. Yeah, it's it's about recognizing that we're a part of a wider ecosystem. Um, you know, we don't want to just have like beautiful pictures of landscapes or animals and there's nothing wrong with that but we're we're specifically trying to say you know we are actually connected with that it's not mm. it's not an mm. us and them so um it's it's just about us uh being a part of that system and respecting you've had two issues of doing this now mm. do you have a story from those two issues which you would say we absolutely nailed it with that. You, you, you totally managed to draw those relationships and, and make it all apparent for the reader. Um, I, there's one, I think it's quite special. I think it's the one about soil. Uh, it's in the first issue. Um, I've never read anything. I've never found interesting to read about soil. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the way uh, Daru Montag, he's a professor in arts and environment. Uh, he's an artist as well. Um, so I think the way he talks about um, soil, as he says, uh, we need to refresh our thinking about it. Then uh, he says, if we, if we contend that soil is a living entity, then questions can be raised about how we might treat it. Mm -hmm. So I think it really, for me, it really changed the way I have a relationship with soil. Mm -hmm. and, and to an extent, we're on this journey as well. Like, uh, we're editors of the magazine, but we're not 
sustainability experts or we're not ecologists so we're there asking questions and 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 it's feeding back into our lives as well how we approach things like from the first issue there's a whole section on composting if you live in a small space in a city and in this instance it's Auckland Mm -hmm. and um you know, we, we now have a bukashi that we're trying to get our heads around. We're trying to work out how, what we do with our food waste. And then that makes you think about other things like, oh, why have we got so much food waste? Like how, um, you know, how do we approach our buying habits so that we can have less to put in the bukashi in the first place? Uh, it's just about realigning our systems. And so we're on this journey. Mm-hmm. So when we read about soil um, and yeah, I mean, it, it has an effect. Like, suddenly I, I am looking at soil in a different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're also, by definition, in making a magazine about this subject, taking on a very big, thorny issue in terms of the waste in manufacturing. And this is, there are clearly many ways around it, but I've only ever seen people get so far with it. So to tell us about how you went about making sure that your production is as sustainable as, as possible. So we spent quite a lot of time researching magazine production. Um, there's a lot of waste in the industry. Uh, and I think part of the way it's set up, like a, a magazine has a certain shelf life and then it, either the covers get ripped off and things like this. It, it's kind of awful uh, it's really wasteful um, and I don't know that's not our part of the industry to really sort of work out a way around um, but maybe we can ask questions of, mm-hmm. of the people that it is um, but when it came to the printing um, we wanted to find out if there's a way of printing the magazine that didn't have an impact in the way that traditional printing did and spent quite a lot of time researching printers and eventually found a printer in Oxford that uh, had basically redesigned printing. Um, They print completely waterlessly, no chemicals, um, there's no waste, everything that is uh, off-cuts that's recycled. Um, they think about how the employees get to work. They have an electric fleet of vehicles. They have a wormery there <laughs> to munch through uh, some of the leftovers from employees' lunches. It's kind of, you know, they've basically thought about every single element of how they operate as mm-hmm. a facility. And I think that's kind of what we have to do. If, if a printer, which is traditionally one of the most wasteful industries, can kind of do that to a point where they say they have a net positive impact now. Mm, mm. If you print with them, it's net positive. Mm. That um, other industries can do that, other businesses. Uh, So that's, you know, it it reflects on us as well, how we uh, run our office, how we sort of operate our life. And they're called C-Courts. Yes. And and you uh, take it you've been and spent some time with them over their printer? Uh, we went there, we visited them, we were impressed. It's amazing. <laughs> it, uh, when you, you arrive, that looks like a normal uh, printing space, but then you see the wormery and mm. you see the way they work and the waterless process. So it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Mm. So issue one, am I right in saying, came out kind of autumn September, last year? Yeah. September last year. Yeah. This one's just come out now um, 
January this year. Mm-hmm. Is that putting you on a roughly quarterly schedule? Is that the idea? Yeah. I mean, the, the second issue was actually meant to come out middle of December, but then uh, our distributor said that's a really, really bad <laughs> idea. So we took that advice right. on board. Uh, he kind of said middle of January is still not the best idea, mm-hmm. but it's getting a bit better than mm-hmm. the middle of December. So, um, yeah, we, we've rolled with that. So roughly every three months. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty intense publishing schedule. Yes. There had, how many people are working on this? Us. Us, yeah. Well, we work with lots of contributors, but um, yeah, it's mainly us. Yeah. So and, it's really hard. <laughs> and you're making it alongside the other yeah, magazine as well. So, yeah, last, last week we, we did something I don't know if any other independent publisher has done. It's we had two consecutive launch nights. <laughs> so Thursday night we launched uh, Village Raw uh, locally and we had about 130, 140 people come to that, which it was kind of like a mini festival. Um, we did that alongside Wave Cafe, which is this amazing um, space in, in the Muswell Hill area. And then uh, on the Friday we launched Where the Leaves Fall at Omved, which was a completely different... Um, thing, but we yeah, it's a good turnout. We had about ninety people there, and yeah, so so I don't know if any other publisher has done that, but yeah, it's intense. It is intense. So running these two magazines side by side, that's obviously, as you say, intense. Mm. What does success look like for you with this? Where do you see these things going together? Um. I think, you know, Village Raw has the the message that we're trying to create or to find with where the leaves will run in through it. Um, so they, they there's a toge- togetherness in them to mm. an extent. Mm. Um, Village Raw, we've built a community of creators around that, uh, illustrators, photographers, writers, and to an extent, you know, we hope to do the same with where the leaves fall. Um, Village Roar, it's it's a free magazine that you pick up in coffee shops. We want to keep it free. And we want to keep it free and accessible. Um, you know, where the Leavesville has a bit more of a, a global remit. So, you know, our, our our goals are for them both to just to just to just work to people for people to find where the leaves fall. Um, to subscribe to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And to just kind of where there's the stories to kind of feed them back to us, mm, mm. to um, let us know, because we're interested in local stories told locally about global issues mm, in mm. a way. And yeah. I think when uh, we feature stories in Where the Leaves Fall, um, I'm going to cite the Uruwe Wawa again. Uh, we are not interested like in sending people like from here, for example, to there. So we want to work like with local people mm-hmm. um, as much as, as possible but um, uh, we got a person who he quit his life in the big cities and he went to live with this indigenous tribe in the Amazon so he had he has this um, involvement with the community because so, we didn't want this Im- exoticized image about the indigenous that we see portrayed in lots of magazines, mm-hmm. what the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we always 
we want to work with people people who are very close yeah. to the communities. Well, because I guess, as you say, you get that authenticity, but then you're also not incurring the amount of carbon that is generated by flying somebody over yeah, to do it. You're well. also not incurring the expense of sending someone all that way. So yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You, so you're pushing subscriptions from the start. That in itself is a, a commitment because you're obviously taking money in advance for things. Was, was that a consideration at the start? Um, I mean, Village Roar is partly funded on subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funded through partnerships and, and also a limited amount of advertising. So we'd already been doing it with Village Roar, so it seemed like a you know a natural progression to mm. do that with mm. the other magazine as well because it you know we could see that it was working plus it also invests people a bit more in what you're doing and I think it, you know there can be more reward for that kind of relationship down the line um, you know we we want people to feed back into what we're doing as well so where should people go to subscribe to where the leaves fall um our website is a good starting point, uh, wheretheleavesfall.com. Um, you can also buy it on Stack, I should mention that. <laughs> exactly, so we, we have it in the shop, but for um, that's just a one-off issue. So, uh, yeah, please do go and buy it from Stack, but if you really like it, go and subscribe from <laughs> Where the Leaves Fall. Uh, listen, thanks so much for coming over, and really good luck Thank with you. it. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week. I would like to say thanks again to David and Luciani for coming over and speaking to me. And particular thanks to David for plugging the Stack Shop. I should obviously follow his example and mention the Stack subscription. If you're not already in our magazine club, you should sign up and we'll send you a different independent magazine every month. You never know what you'll get next, but you do know it'll be a beautiful, intelligent, independent magazine you probably wouldn't otherwise have come across. And if you use the code PODCAST, you'll get 10% off your first payments just for people like you who listen all the way through to the end of our episodes. Go to stackmagazines.com for more information about the subscription and the shop and everything else we do. And thank you very much for listening to this first episode of 2020. And we'll be back with another one next week.